All right. I, you know, I don't know how many people have been listening to my, bod- my broadcast since the beginning of this. Um, so I think that this is right here is a good time. Well, I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to voice my entire frustrations upon this whole case that we've had against or since my daughter has been taken from us. And I do say taken. Please, if you have not listened to this broadcast, you need to understand. And if you are lighthearted and you think that this is a bunch of conspiracy bullshit or any of that, and when I say the word taken, well, then this program's not for you. However, what I do suggest is that you listen because this next this next person pleading for the life of their child, it could be you. It could be you who had some sort of um, false allegation or some family m- member accuse you of some sort of wrongdoing or, or just any sort of anything that has to do with actually nothing. It doesn't have to have anything to do with child abuse or neglect or actually harming your child or neglecting your child, hurting your child, causing harm to your child or any such thing. Because, you know, that would be right. That would be what the system was designed for. Except for that they're not using it for that. They're using it for their own, their own purposes, their own Uh, ideas, their own vindictiveness, their own agenda, all right? Make no mistake, people, the Child Protective Services agenda is to get your child into custody and you never to get them back. I pray for you that if you're listening to this show that they haven't gone that far yet as to get your kids out of your possession and into a foster home. Even worse, into a kinship situation or into a pre-adoptive family. Because I'm sorry, people, what I will tell you right now is that unless you have a bunch of money and a good attorney, you will lose. And even if you have that, I'm not even sure that you can get your kid back. That's just the God's honest truth. Because these people will stop at nothing to make sure that they are proven right. Even if they are wrong, they all cover up each other. They lie, they cheat, they steal. These are the dirtiest of the dirties, even though they want to say the dirty people are you. Oh, you have a drug problem? Well, guess what? You're, deser- you're dirty. You don't deserve to raise your child. Oh, you got yourself clean. You've passed all the drug tests. You've done all of these things. Oh, well, too bad. Your kid's you're not good enough because in the time span that it's taken you to get yourself better, your kid has detached for you, even though they haven't even done a bonding test on you. I mean, people, this is the stuff that they do, and it's real, and you need to understand this. So those of you that are standing there and supporting this Child Protective Services and saying, yeah, good for them. Look at all these parents abusing or neglecting their kids. You're wrong. You're dead wrong. America is fastly waking up to what's going on here, but not fast enough people because children are still being taken at a rate faster than you can imagine. A child a minute in the United States, if it's not faster now. Because when I did those studies those studies were back from 2018 i haven't even crunched numbers from this past year but i know that if you look at the state of maine the state of maine itself's numbers they've increased every year less people working for them less this less that more funding more this but how come the number of kids taken from their homes is continuously going up They say that they're understaffed. That's why they can't investigate. They can't do this. They can't do that. Well, they seem to be doing just fine. 
So what are they saying? Are they saying that because they're short-staffed, the answer to the question is, is just remove the children from the homes? That way they don't have to do an investigation? Oh, I see. Empty them now, empty the nest now, and then come up with your case along the way, right? Because when they don't have all the things right in their case, what do they say? Oh, it's not what took place to get your kids into our possession. No, nope, that's not what this case is about now. This is now about what is... It or what have you done since this point and we will judge and decide and dictate what is and what is not good enough for your child because that if you read the fine lines the state has possession of your kid you are trying to get your own kid back from the state's possession it is freaking sick people I'm sitting here today. I know I hadn't done a podcast in a while, and I'm like, okay, I really got to do a good one here. I got I to gotta really do something to hit home. No, I don't have to think about anything. All I need to do is make people understand and listen that this is not about the children, more so it's about an economic impact on an area that they need to bring money to. I can't believe that the number one defense against kidnapping, or I'm sorry, against child abuse in every state of the 50 states is Child Protective Services, which is the number one culprit leading in kidnapping. And if you think that Nancy Schaefer killed herself, or the murder-suicide by her husband and, and her, you know, the, her husband murdered her and killed her. If you think that Connie Reguli is constantly not being harassed and gang-stalked and set up and this and that, America has to wake up and see what is really happening. When you're voting for governor in this booth here in the next couple of weeks, and your governor is gloating and gloating about the positive, uh, you know, that they have a positive uh, purse in the state's fundings, I want you to then take a look and see how much money your state's made off of the Child Protective Services and them bringing children into the foster system. How much federal money has been pumped into the Department of Human Services for children being removed and put into foster homes. There is not a surplus of money that just comes in at the grace and the hand of a wonderful governor. Nope. That grace and that hand of that wonderful governor is the heartbreak of families that are sitting here that have been put into that system that aren't even supposed to be there. My case for my Child Protective Services uh, involvement started with an alleged incident that had nothing to do with my daughter, which had zero iotis impact on her. Now, they'll say that it did because, oh, I was around scary people. I was around this. I was around that. Let me tell you something. The incident, the alleged incident that I was involved with was a spur of the moment, um, wrong place, wrong time, for sure, absolutely. And listen, I understand how that looks to people, but if you look at the rest of my life and what that is and how I've stood by it, I don't have a criminal record. I've never done anything wrong. I've been an upstanding, tax-paying, hard-working, self-employed white man with a family for 30-something years. And because of an error that I was involved in, allegedly around the wrong fucking people, one night, one time, which was all alleged, and guess what? It was dismissed by the state. 
But no, 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 no. That doesn't matter, they say. That doesn't matter. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Okay. So what matters then? So in my case, what they did was they said, oh, okay, this is based around substance abuse because allegedly they had found some things in a vehicle that I was allegedly in. Okay, fine, so be it. There were six of us in that car and I pled my innocence. Never was I found guilty even of that. However, they made me surrender to urine screens. Okay, finally, I go. I give them, I go to urine screens. I do that for them. What happens? The day after my urine screen, that caseworker goes out and tells everybody around, I think he's using. Well, I already had those test results and they came back clean. And then what is said? Oh, well, that was only tested for Suboxone. Huh. Well, you only tested it for Suboxone, huh? On record, I even have all this stuff because, listen, here's a rule that you should go by. Whenever you're communicating with these CPS assholes in your freaking cases, don't do it by phone. Don't do it by anything. You do it by email. If they don't respond by email, then you have nothing to do for them. Believe me, people, it will be used against you. Make sure that you have a hard copy of every conversation that takes place between you and any person that involves your child or CPS. It will bite you in the ass at the end. And believe me, it will. So anyhow, now I refuse, right? Because the policy is this. The policy, after I've spoken to the people at the... Uh, the labs where the urine was tested and so on. After I had gotten all my information and facts, I said, no, I absolutely refuse to do your urine screens now because you know what? It's not even the fault of the labs. It's the fact that your caseworker is now running around saying that I am using drugs. Now, mind you, I had been alleged of a crime, okay? In the state of Maine Constitution, it states that I do not have to submit myself to any sort of anything that I feel like would incriminate me on the other side or the other case as it stands. Well, guess what? Now I have a caseworker giving out a false positive of me using substances that could easily revoke my veil and get me back in jail and I'm stuck there, right? Then I can't be around for my child until I wait for a trial, which ultimately, guess what, would have dismissed things because I would have never made the trial because the charges were dismissed. Would you? Would you have gone to those urine screens after even though you did what you did and you were proud in the fact that, you know, look, I wasn't a liar. I did not lie to anybody. I wasn't using those drugs weren't mine. All of that... And the caseworker still is allowed. But guess what? There's no punishment for them. No, not zip, zero, zilch. I made multiple, multiple inquiries about what are we going to do about this? Because the lab, like I said, that was testing those screens, they said that the protocol is this. They take two samples for the such reason. They were notified that my test results came back as such and that they had those results. They had those results in such a time that it said, uh, if these results don't seem right to you or whatever, then you need to contact us within 72 hours hours to make sure that we retest sample two or other samples or all samples will be destroyed simple instructions to follow well that goes by and everybody goes by and they're like we'll just do another one no why do I want to do another one I gave you one 
Said I was clean. Well, it says that you were only clean for Suboxone, Darren. Okay, see all these other things? Panel, clear. Yeah, that means that I was clean on everything else. And the specified thing that you were supposedly looking for, buprenorphine, was also clean. Because I talked to them. That's how they function. They highlight the area of concern, but the panel is the same because it would cost them a fortune to test individually for each one. It says in the urine policies in the state of Maine, it says that a urine policy alone cannot be used against a person for decisions such as visitations or termination of parental rights because of the inconsistency or the margin for error for those tests. They have to go with all of other things that compose of this, counseling, uh, observations, this, that, and this. You know what my counselor said? That I was fine. My counselor came out, stood up to bat for me, and the judge still said I didn't do enough. The counselor that they gave me was the counselor that they recommended to me. I went two, sometimes three times a week. The judge asked them, the, or the uh, district, I'm sorry, the attorney general asked her if I was on drugs. She said, to, as far as her knowledge, no, and she doesn't believe I was. They asked if, I had, if she felt like I was fine with my treatment and how I was going. She said, absolutely. They asked if I needed parenting classes. They said, absolutely not, nor would they recommend them for me. The judge misinterpreted and lied about the testimony of my drug counselor that they gave me and provided for me. You want to hear even more of a kicker? My wife had five different counselors. Every time that they said that Mary was not a victim of domestic abuse, the only problem that she had was the fact that she was in deep depression because the department had taken her kid away. All of a sudden, her counselors had to go... Um, I don't know, another job, or they got promoted, or they this, or they that, five times, because the department wasn't going to get what they wanted. They didn't get what they wanted until that one caseworker went up to court and said, she's scared of me because of my podcast. Well, if you listen to my podcast, any of you listen to my podcast, you've never heard a podcast that was threatening towards CPS, because I've never threatened CPS. Because in one podcast, I had mentioned a caseworker's name, which, guess what? You're a government employee. It is my First Amendment, not only right, but obligation if I feel that an employee of the state or the federal government is abusing or defrauding or defacing their oath to the office, I am not only uh, allowed to speak out loud about them, I am obligated by that First Amendment right to inform the people of government corruption. However, for that First Amendment that I exercised, I was punished. I was punished. I wasn't punished. Nina was punished. My daughter. That is my child. That is Mary's child. Never have you been contractually or even remotely any sort of relative or contractual or anything to the state of Maine. Nothing. Now, they charged me, or I'm sorry, they, um, oh, please, I'm sorry, excuse me here for this little blurb. They substantiated me. 
to the highest degree of abuse and neglect in the state of Maine. They put me in the same category as child molesters, children, uh, family members that have raped, beaten, harmed their children in ways that I don't even want to speak of or I couldn't even imagine. It says in their substantiation of me in their report, it says, it will be very difficult in words to show the way that we have made this decision. We have come to this decision. Now, <laughs> to me, that says, hey, I, I don't know, guys. Just don't even ask why this happened because we don't even know either, but we're going to do it. That's to me what it says, right? So I contacted Director Landry over and over and over, and I asked him, hey, what is going on with this? And I got a response from his director down here in your county. And her response was, I misunderstood. I misunderstood the, uh, the quote. What they meant by that is it was going to be hard to see in writing because my eyes would be full of tears. <laughs> these people they really think that I am actually they do they really think I'm that stupid oh yeah hey man that makes sense I guess I'd be crying this whole time so I wouldn't understand you're goddamn right I was crying I was crying because I felt so freaking betrayed by a government I have so much cared for and loved and put on a pedestal The way that the blood of the people lost from the state of Maine. The way that they shed blood and died and have never come home from defending the flag of our country. To make sure that tyranny doesn't happen. Well, unfortunately, it's alive and well. And I feel so for those families that have lost loved ones to the cause and for those that committed their lifetimes to this cause and have retired, it's an anomaly of the dirtiest, scariest, darkest people you have ever met. And this thing needs to stop. So we move on, right? Suddenly, out of the blue, my wife, she gets picked up on these charges from an alleged incident that happened a year prior. A year prior. We didn't even know about this. We were stopped, we were let go. We left a year later. She gets picked up for being a fugitive of justice. The state comes and picks up Nina for good now because they say that I am too dangerous to have be around with Nina. They lie about me going to the drug test, which I was sitting there when they came. Um, they said that I was too freaking dangerous and yada, yada, yada. And they came and they took Nina from our lives. But this gets better, okay? So now my wife, who is a princess, is sitting in jail and none of us can, we don't know why. No idea why. All we know is fugitive of justice. <laughs> so finally, days later, after she's extradited, um, it's said that there was drugs in the vehicle that was stopped at the Dunkin' Donuts that night, which we were at Dunkin' Donuts, and it did get stopped. 
We never knew about drugs. <laughs> nope, no, we did not. So in arguing this, this goes on and on and on and on and on and on, right? Mary screaming for her innocence. Me screaming for an innocence in my alleged and these things. We go to TPR. Oh, there's so much more though. There's so much more. Let's continue on, right? So now we are without child. This is where the domestic violence kicks in, okay? Oh my goodness, there's so much that I forget about sometimes. Mary's brother contacts the doctor's office. Tells the doctor's office they don't feel that Linda is capable of taking care of Nina because Mary is now incarcerated. Linda is one of the best loving, amazing grandmothers and she did nothing more than accept the challenge and the offer to receive Nina into her home and take care of her until this figures out. Now, mind you, I'm only three miles up the road. I still have visitation with Nina. Uh, my mother is three miles up the road. We have an older daughter. She's right down the street. There's all of these things that could have gone into play to make sure that Nina was fine since I am so incapable of being around to be protective of my kid. DHS threatens to take Nina away from Linda. Our 23-year-old daughter contacts them, says, I will move down with Linda and stay with her and help her with Nina. So she does this. We get Mary out of jail that Friday. Mary was gone for no more than three and a half days. Build her out of jail. home see Nina get through the weekend oh because it's such it's such a dangerous situation mind you that they have to get the PPO such a dangerous situation that we're five or six days into it and yet she's still in such imminent danger but yet she's still there oh and I forgot it's a holiday weekend so DHS doesn't work so let's go through that because we don't have anybody to take her away right that Tuesday as my daughter calls that morning and says hey you know is everything okay she's told everything was great Bree so glad that you came to live with Linda they came up with new stipulations that Mary would have to stay with me at my mother's house um, until we think got things worked out you know with the emergency team meeting and so on perfect it wasn't even an hour later there was a phone call made saying you know what we're coming to take Nina out of your home and this time is she's going to a foster family Fast forward. I don't even want to get involved in this. That's for another time and place in another episode. Nina goes to the foster family. Mary and I have Bree. Bree is not Mary's blood. You couldn't tell. Bree's mom left when Bree was a young toddler. I raised Bree on my own until I met Mary, which is around when Bree was like nine or 10. And those two have been more like best friends than sisters, or maybe a mixture of both. Um, Mary loves to tout that she's her mom and Bree loves to remind Mary that 
she is her mother. She doesn't have a mom. She still barely talks to her mother. And by barely, I mean I think it's been only like three or four year gap that Bree is not talking to her, her, whatever she is you want to call her. Anyway. They say that they want to have a meeting with us the next morning with the, the family that took her. Mary doesn't want to have any conversation with anybody. Mary's, Nina was a gift to Mary and to myself. Mary wasn't supposed to be able to have kids. They took a gift that God gave us. For whatever reason or purpose, they took this from us. And whatever reason God gave it to us, I hope that he's paying attention to what's being played on this earth because this isn't right. So that being said, I need everybody out there as much as they can to pray. Please pray, pray, because this story gets worse. I need to take a break here for a second. about 15 hours since Nina had been taken away from us. Up until this point, Nina had never been away from us for more than two or three hours and never ever been babysat, never with a stranger. It's either been with my parents or Mary's. Mary and I didn't say much to each other that night. We didn't have to. I felt it. She knew what I felt. Our relationship was pretty solid. We didn't have to say much to each other. We just knew that we needed to get it done, me especially. And uh, there was no time for blaming anybody, pointing fingers. This was just about Nina and getting her home as fast as possible. We got a call from the caseworker saying that they wanted us to meet the family and uh, talk to her about what Nina's, um, what her, what her routine was, what she ate, what she liked to eat, what she did, what she didn't do, and so on. said that she sent the link to me and I don't know exactly what time it was but it was like 8 or 9 in the morning something like that I talked with Mary before this happening she had nothing to say she made that very clear to me so after the caseworker gave me the information uh, the caseworker started to speak to me about Mary and some things that she, the caseworker needed to address with her. And I said, Mary, do you want to speak with the caseworker? 
Mary shook her head. I don't even think she had stopped crying at that point. But she shook her head. She threw the phone at me. Said, tell her that she could talk to my lawyer. Said she'd get in touch with her lawyer. And that was it. That action right there became the premise for DHS's, CPS's crusade against me for domestic abuse, stating that I ripped the phone out of her hands, that I was screaming uncontrollably in the background, that I was doing all of these things. Let me tell you the honest God truth as I am right now. I can barely keep myself together enough long enough to even have such a conversation and nor would I ever treat Mary that way. That was the worst moment in our life. My life, anyway, I can attest for that. Mind you, it had only been a little while since we just both lost our dads. We lost our dads both within five days of each other in the last April. I didn't even realize that, but April and May have really sucked for us the past couple of years. Wow, I just put that together. Sorry for that. So you see, there was no room for me to be angry with Mary. I had no right to be angry with Mary. This is all brought on by myself, alleged for the alleged things that happened. So for them to sit around and base their whole premise of domestic abuse and all of this off of that incident, which no one could see, they could only hear, and they never had a goddamn clue what the reality of the situation was. But they marched on by with their crusade cross of domestic violence and right on into it with this whole thing. That phone call came when the Zoom meeting came. I met those recent, the parents that Nina was with. We didn't even get to talk to her that morning. Mary just laid down in the background, trying to keep her composure together enough, just enough so that they can't hear her crying. Of course, the caseworker, Mary didn't even intend or involve herself in the meeting and so on and so forth, making it like Mary didn't give two shits. It was an opposite. That woman was one step away from putting a bullet in her head. Guarantee you this, if we didn't, you know, there was an action or a capability of that happening. That moment's tough, man, when they take your kid and there's nothing you can do. And here's what's even the worst part about all of this. There's no one that will help you. There's no one that can help you. You can sit there and be prepared for a moment that is ready to rock your world. You can prepare yourself to be as good as you want to be for that. So 
So trying everything you can to keep your moment together, your life together, your sanity, trying to figure out what you can do as far as real life situation and negotiations as opposed to fantasy world of being a superhero, finding out where your child is and going to rescue him. So we knew we put the grind down and put our heads down and we hugged each other and said, you know, it's, let's do this, you know, and we did and we moved forward. But the way that the department portrayed our actions at that moment in time as this non-caring, non-existent uh, mom with this abusive father because of a phone call that a young caseworker heard and jumped to assumptions on. I cannot believe this. You know, the department sits there and says that, oh, I have... issues. I get very mad. I get very angry about this. You're damn right I do. You stole my child. Now what I don't think is fair in any of this, and this is probably the case with most parents that are involved in this stuff, is they come at you with the threats of removing your child from your home. You'll do anything short of, actually I don't even know what you would not do to save your child. Is there anything that you wouldn't do for them if they told you, you know, this, this, or this? You know, at that moment, oh, hey, we're gonna do this. And it's funny because they're allowed to throw that in your face, but then in the moment where you can see that they are being dirty and something grimy is gonna happen to their intent because of their intentions, you know, as far as like they say the same thing, well, your daughter wasn't that important. That piss test isn't important to you, so you're not going to do it? No, that piss test was very important to me. And I also told you I'd have the police department do it for me. I'd have someone else, but I wasn't going to have them do it and have anything to do with their involvement. And I was told, point blank, that that wouldn't matter in the courts. It had to be from them and from their persons. Seems suspect, doesn't it? So I went on to say, hey, well, then I will have my own drug test done brought into, you know, the court system and so on and so forth. Nope, those aren't admissible in court. Oh, okay, so I see how this game works. Are we seeing a little bit clearer now how this works? So it's so anybody else in the world can't do my urine screens where there's people everywhere that can do it for me and there's people and ways to make it random. But no, it's got to be done by the caseworker that's already told me that my urine or went on to discuss with others that I was dirty in my urine screens and it's the same caseworker that failed to do the proper protocol but you want me to trust you guys again <laughs> do you see this is how they function this is how they function and in that moment of time you know like I was just saying that there's nothing that you wouldn't do there is nothing that you wouldn't do and now this is where people listening to the podcast will say, oh, well, you could have went back and did the urine screen. Yes, yeah, I could have. And then guess what? When they give me another false positive like they did before, or they announce the false positive, they announce it falsely and give that information to a guardian litem and to an attorney general and to all of these people that make these decisions of your child's life and yours, and there's no taking that back. Oh, hey, strike that from there. 
What are you going to do? Forget about the fact that the caseworker just said that I was on drugs? What I one little bit of even funnier information is this. Department of Human Services, Child Protective Services, OCFS as it's called here in Maine, they don't have a copy of those results. But yet I presented one in court that I found myself. That I had sent to me. But the department doesn't have that. But the judge didn't find that to be um, any bit of reason for concern. Okay. <sighs> a couple days later, we have an emergency meeting. You know, with the whole team together. My cousins and my aunt at this point want to have some involvement. some involvement in this to try to help and get Nina back for us or at least into our family and out of uh, out of a home that she's unfamiliar with that's exciting all right a breath someone someone's gonna help us these days had just gone into each other and there's no answers and things are getting worse and worse and and we're calling I mean Mary and I were like a newsroom you know constantly every day from six in the morning till six at night there was no time for crying or anger or any of that stuff that was for later but from six and six that was to be contacting whomever we could but then we realized that California time was three or four hours difference I don't remember exactly what it is I'm sorry for mispronouncing but that one was different so we worked through those hours now now we're working until 10 o'clock at night feverishly to try to get Nina home and the only thing that we're finding is that if you don't have fifty to hundred thousand dollars you're screwed money this business is dirty business and this business OCFS CPS DHS is a front runner and the old statement takes money to get money well it takes money to get your heart back stay tuned for the next episode for a little bit more of the whole shooting match part two that'll be out the end of this week Thank you all for listening very much. Uh, check me out. It's Fight CPS 2021 on Twitter. Uh, please leave a message here uh, if you need to. Uh, I'm going to start a restream broadcast here coming up uh, in the next few days, or I'm going to start restreaming my broadcast. I'm going to get my shit back together, guys. Uh, I think I really needed to do this, get this podcast on the air uh, about how things really went down, and I really needed to get the truth out because the truth will set us free. So until we meet again, everybody be good to be good to everybody else. We need each other in this world. We really do because no one deserves to be alone. Love you all. Uh, don't forget, I have that petition online uh, at change.org. And you can go ahead and get that information off of the anchor site. It's on there, the link's on there. Um, and I'll also post it up. It's also on my Twitter account. Um, 
you know, maybe I'll even get a website this week. I don't know. But guys, please spread the word about my broadcast. Spread somewhere. Let's get some help because this isn't over yet. This isn't over until I win. Darren Gway, signing off. Thank <laughs> you.